Chapter 17, Part 2 of Principle of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Emanuela. Principle of Geology by Charles Leal. Marine Delta of the Rhone. The lacustrine delta of the Rhone in Switzerland has already been considered. Its contemporaneous marine delta may not be described. Scarcely has the river passed out of the lake of Geneva before its pure waters are again filled with sand and sediment by the impetuous Arve, descending from the highest Alps and bearing along in its current the granitic detritus annually brought down by the glaciers of Mont Blanc. The Rhone afterwards receive a vast contribution of transported matter from the Alps of Dauphiny and the primary and volcanic mountains of central France, and when at length it enters the Mediterranean, it discolors the blue waters of that sea with a whitish sediment for the distance of between six and seven miles, throughout which space the current of fresh water is perceptible. Strabo's description of the delta is so inapplicable to its present configuration as to attest a complete alteration in the physical features of the country since the Augustan age. It appears, however, that the head of the delta, or the point at which it begins to ramify, has remained unaltered since the time of Pliny, for he states that the Rhone divided itself at all into two arms. This is the case at present. One of the branches, the western, being now called Leption, which is again subdivided before entering the Mediterranean. The advance of the base of the delta in the last 18 centuries is demonstrated by many curious antiquarian monuments. The most striking of these is the great and unnatural detour of the old Roman road from Ugernum to Bézier, Beterre, which went round by name Nemausus. It is clear that when this was first constructed, it was impossible to pass in a direct line, as now, across the delta, and that either the sea or marshes intervening in a track now consisting of terra firma. Astro also remarks that all the places on low lands, lying to the north of the old Roman road between Nîmes and Bézier, have names of Celtic origin, evidently given to them by the first inhabitants of the country, whereas... The places lying south of that road, toward the sea, have names of Latin derivation, and were clearly founded after the Roman language had been introduced. Another proof, also, of the great extent of land, which has come into existence since the Romans conquered and colonized Gaul, is derived from the fact that the Roman writers never mentioned the thermal waters of Baruch in the delta, although they were well acquainted with those of X, and others still more distant, and attached great importance to them, as they invariably did to all hot springs. The waters of Balarug, therefore, must have formerly issued under the sea, a common phenomenon on the borders of the Mediterranean, and, on the advance of the delta, they continued to flow out through the new deposits. Among the more direct proofs of the increase of land, we find the Mies, described under the appellation of Mesua Collis by Pomponius Mela, 
and stated by him to be nearly an island, is now far inland. Notre Dame de Port also was a harbour in eight ninety eight, but is now a league from the shore. Psalmody was an island in eight fifteen, and is now two leagues from the sea. Several old lines of towers and sea marks occur at different distances from the present coast, all indicating the successive retrieves of the sea, for each line has in its turn become useless to mariners, which may be well conceived when we state that the Tower of Tignon, erected on the shore so late as the year 1737, is already a mile remote from it. By the confluence of the Rhone and the currents of the Mediterranean, driven by winds from the south, sandbars are often formed across the mouths of the river. By these means considerable spaces become divided off from the sea, and subsequently from the river also, when it shifts its channels of efflux. As some of these lagoons are subject to the occasional ingress of the river when flooded, and of the sea during storms, they are alternately salt and fresh. Others, after being filled with salt water, are often lowered by evaporation till they become more salt than the sea. And it has happened, occasionally, that a considerable precipitate of muriate of soda has taken place in these natural sultans. During the latter part of Napoleon's career, when the excise laws were enforced with extreme rigour, the police was employed to prevent such salt from being used. The fluviatil and marine shells enclosed in these small lakes often live together in brackish water, but the uncongenial nature of the fluid usually produces a dwarfish size and sometimes gives rise to strange varieties in form and colour. Captain Smith, in his survey of the coast of the Mediterranean, found the sea opposite the mouth of the Rhone to deepen gradually from four to forty fathoms, within a distance of six or seven miles, over which the discoloured fresh water extends, so that the inclination of the new deposits must be too slight to be appreciable in such an extent of section as a geologist usually obtains in examining ancient formations. When the wind blew from the southwest, the ships employed in the survey were obliged to quit their moorings, and when they returned, the new sand banks in the delta were found covered over with a great abundance of marine shells. By this means, we learn how occasional beds of drifting marine shells may become stratified with the fresh water strata at the river's mouth. Stony nature of its deposits a great proportion, at least, of the new deposit in the delta of the Rhone consists of rock, and not of losing current matter, is perfectly ascertained. In the museum at Montpellier is a cannon taken up from the sea near the mouth of the river, embedded in a crystalline calcareous rock. Large masses, also, are continually taken up of an arenaceous rock, cemented by calcareous matter, including multitudes of broken shells of recent species. The observation lately made on this subject corroborate the former statement of Marsili that the earthy deposit of the coast of Languedoc form a stony substance, 
for which reason he ascribes a certain bituminous saline and glutinous nature to the substances brought down with sand by the rome if the number of mineral springs charged with carbonate of lime which fall into the rhone and its feeders in different parts of france be considered we shall feel no surprise at the lapidification of the newly deposited sediment in this delta it should be remembered that the fresh water introduced by rivers being lighter than the water of the sea floats over the latter and remains upon the surface for a considerable distance consequently it is exposed to as much evaporation as the waters of a lake and the area over which the river water is spread at the junction of great rivers and the sea may well be compared in point of extent to that of considerable lakes now it is well known that so great is the quantity of water covered off by evaporation in some lakes that it is nearly equal to the water flowing in and in some inland seas as the caspian it is quite equal we may therefore well suppose that in cases where a strong current does not interfere the greater portion not only of the matter held mechanically in suspension but of that also which is in chemical solution may be precipitated at no great distance from the shore when these finer ingredients are extremely small in quantity they may only suffice to supply crustaceous animals corals and marine plants with the earthy particles necessary for their secretions but whenever it is in excess as generally happens if the basin of a river lie partly in a district of active or extinct volcanoes then will solid deposit be formed and the shells will at once be included in a rocky mass Coast of asia minor example of the advance of the land upon the sea are afforded by the southern coast of asia minor admiral sir f Belfort has pointed out in his survey the great alterations effected since the time of strabo where heavens are filled up islands join the mainland and where the whole continent has increased many miles in extent strabo himself on comparing the outline of the coast in his time with its ancient state was convinced like our countrymen that it had gained very considerably upon the sea the new formed strata of asia minor consist of stone not of loose incoherent materials almost all the streamlets and rivers like many of those in tuscany and the south of italy hold abundance of carbonate of lime in solution and precipitate travertine or sometimes bind together the sand and gravel into solid sandstones and conglomerates every delta and sandbar does acquires solidity which often prevents streams from forcing their way through them so that their mouths are constantly changing their position delta of the nile that egypt was the gift of the nile was the opinion of her priests before the time of Herodotus, and Rennell observes that the configuration and composition of the lowlands leave no room for doubt that the sea once washed the base of the rocks on which the pyramids of Memphis stand, the present base of which is washed by the inundation of the Nile at an elevation of seventy or eighty feet 
above the Mediterranean. But when we attempt to carry back our ideas to the remote period when the foundation of the delta was first laid, we are lost in the contemplation of so vast an interval of time. Herodotus observes that the country round Memphis seemed formerly to have been an arm of the sea gradually filled by the Nile, in the same manner as the Mende, Echelos and other streams had formed deltas. Egypt, therefore, he says, like the Red Sea, was once a long narrow bay, and both gulfs were separated by a small neck of land. If the Nile, he adds, should by any means have an issue into the Arabian Gulf, it might choke it up with earth in twenty thousand or even perhaps in ten thousand years, and why may not the Nile have filled a still greater gulf with mud in the space of time which has passed before our age? The distance between Memphis and the most prominent part of the delta in a straight line north and south is about one hundred geographical miles. The length of the base of the delta is more than two hundred miles if we follow the coast between the ancient extreme eastern and western arms. But as these are now blocked up, that part only of lower Egypt, which intervenes between the Rosetta and the Mietta branches, is usually called the delta, the coastline of which is about ninety miles in length. The bed of the river itself, says Sir J. G. Wilkinson, undergoes a gradual increase of elevation varying in different places, and always lessening in proportion as the river approaches the sea. This increase of elevation in perpendicular height is much smaller in lower than in upper Egypt, and in the delta it diminishes still more, so that, according to an approximate calculation, the land about Elephantine, or the first cataract, latitude 24 degrees 5, has been raised 9 feet in 1,700 years. At Thebes, latitude 25 degrees 43, about 7 feet, and at Heliopolis and Cairo, latitude 30 degrees, about 5 feet 10 inches. At Rosetta and the mouth of the Nile, latitude 31 degrees 30, the diminution in the perpendicular thickness of the deposit is lessened in a much greater decreasing ratio than in the straightened valley of central and upper Egypt, owing to the great extent east and west, over which the inundation spreads. For this reason, the alluvial deposit does not cause the delta to protrude rapidly into the sea, although some ancient cities are now a mile or more inland, and the mouth of the Nile mentioned by the early geographers, have been many of them silted up, and the outline of the coast entirely changed. The bed of the Nile always keeps pace with the general elevation of the soil, and the banks of this river, like those of the Mississippi and its tributaries, are much higher than the flat land at a distance, so that they are seldom covered during the highest inundations. In consequence of the gradual rise of the river's bed, the annual flood is constantly spreading over a wider area, and the alluvial soil encroaches on the desert, covering, to the depth of six or seven feet, the base of statues and temples which the waters never reached three thousand years ago. 
although the sands of the libyan deserts have in some places been drifted into the valley of the nile yet these aggressions says wilkinson are far more than counterbalanced by the fertilizing effect of the water which now reaches farthening lands toward the desert so that the number of square miles of arable soil is greater at present than at any previous period mud of the nile on comparing the different analyses which have been published of this mud it will be found that it contains a large quantity of argillaceous matter with much peroxide of iron some carbonate of lime and a small proportion of carbonate of magnesia the latest and most careful analysis by m lassen shows a singularly close resemblance in the proportions of the ingredients of silica alumina iron carbon lime and magnesia and those observed in ordinary mica but a much larger quantity of calcareous matter is sometimes present in many places as at cairo where artificial excavations have been made or where the river has undermined its banks the mud is seen to be thinly stratified the upper part of each annual layer consisting of earth of a lighter color than the lower and the whole separating easily from the deposit of the succeeding year these annual layers are variable in thickness but according to the calculations of girard and wilkinson the mean annual thickness of a layer at cairo cannot exceed that of a sheet of thin pasteboard and a stratum of two or three feet must represent the accumulation of a thousand years the depth of the mediterranean is about twelve fathoms at a small distance from the shore of the delta it afterwards increases gradually to fifty and then suddenly descends to three hundred and eighty fathoms which is perhaps the original depth of the sea where it has not been rendered shallower by fluviatile matter we learn from Lutina newbold that nothing but the finest and lightest ingredients reach the mediterranean where he has observed the sea discolored by them to the distance of forty miles from the shore the small progress of the delta in the last two thousand years affords perhaps no measure for estimating its rate of growth when it was an inland bay and had not yet protruded itself beyond the coastline of the mediterranean a powerful current now sweeps along the shores of africa from the straits of gibraltar to the prominent convexity of egypt the western side of which is continually the prey of the waves so that not only are fresh accessions of land checked but ancient parts of the delta are carried away by this cause canopus and some other towns have been overwhelmed but to this subject i shall again refer when speaking of tides and currents End of chapter seventeen part two recording by emanuela